Welcome to Heart of a Shepherd, a podcast from Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Wisconsin. Now, here's Trinity's Rick Adams, Angela Ekstrin, and Pastor Carl Leyenbauer. Welcome back, everybody. Rick Adams here, Director of Discipleship at Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Wisconsin, in the podcast room with our senior pastor, Carl Landbauer. Hi, Rick. And Angela Axman. Hi, Rick. And uh, it's good to be back here with all of you again. Thank you for joining us. We are in Luke 5 today, starting a new chapter in the Heart of a Shepherd. We have been walking with Jesus through the very beginning uh, moments of his earthly ministry. In the last podcast, we talked about how he was casting out demons and casting out fevers and healing people of all kinds of ailments and illnesses and doing so with an authority that could only come from God. And so today we're going to probably continue in that vein a little bit, but also see him as he begins to call his disciples around him. Yeah, yeah. we went from uh, the healing of Simon Peter's mother-in-law. Now we're going to kind of probably back in time, yes. take a little flashback to uh, seeing Simon and Jesus interacting uh, a little earlier. So we'll start reading here with verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats. So they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything. And followed him. Yeah, Lake Gennesaret, Sea of Galilee, same, same body of water. Same body of water. Yeah, you were there. I was there. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, nice lake to take a walk across. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Sorry, different story. I just want to touch a little bit. Something we talked about in the last podcast that probably bears repeating is that in the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Luke's approach is to just highlight moments and put them together mm-hmm. in, in sections so that they may kind of make sense as a, as a larger entity. And that's why, it, to avoid confusion, because we met Simon's mother-in-law in the previous chapter, and now we're getting to the call of Simon it seems out of place, and it's it's like when you're watching a TV show, a movie, and the screen gets wavy, mm-hmm. and there, you realize you're going back in time. Mm-hmm. That's exactly, I think, what what's happening here with Luke chapter 5, is that Luke is taking us back in time a little bit to when 
Simon and Simon's brother, Andrew, and probably their fishing partners, James and John, encountered Jesus, or at least were officially invited by Jesus into his his Yeah, into into his, yeah, into that crowd of people who are following him. Probably this this would be separate from the selection of the 12. Yeah. This is just uh, come follow me. And there's probably a crowd of people who are gathering and following, and that crowd keeps growing uh, that, that they're a part of. If you're from Trinity and you're listening to this, you probably have heard many times the phrase joining Jesus on his mission, because mm. we spent a lot of time um, on a book by that title in our small groups and such. And here, this is the origination, this is the origination of it. This is the original joining Jesus on his mission right here. Um, it's interesting, too, how um, talks about Jesus gets into the boat that belongs to Simon to preach, right, so that the gospel message can be heard better by the crowds. Sound travels over water perhaps a little bit better yep. than over land. So that that would speak to that. And it's also interesting how, you know, Jesus isn't a fisherman. He's a carpenter. The Greek word that I learned in this is tekton, mm-hmm. a crafter. Mm-hmm. And so, but Jesus, again, speaks with authority as a fisherman, <laughs> cast your nets over here and they listen to him mm-hmm. and you know when you speak to people in the trades and I've learned this from experience over the past couple of months you tend to not want to tell them their business <laughs> <laughs> because they'll know immediately you don't know what you're talking about you know but Jesus has that authority he can tell Simon and Andrew and James and John do this even though he's not a fisherman and they do it well you could read into it a, a little bit with Simon's response, and I don't know, you know, punctuation in the Bible, I don't know what the rules are, but um, first Simon says, and ending in an exclamation point, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. It's kind of like, are you crazy? Which you got to wonder, how often did that happen? You know, where as fishermen, they're all all night out on the lake and not a single fish? Yeah, Yeah, that's probably a a miracle in itself. Yeah, I was going to say that's as much of a miracle as getting all the fish in the nets in in that one moment. But again, Jesus is the one that's in charge of all of this. Yeah. It's it's an interesting thing to think about what Peter's from my mind is. I mean, after that night, yeah. and then Jesus imposes on him, would you just take your boat out? And Peter's like, like, all I've got for my nets is this stuff I'm cleaning off of them. Right. Can I just go home and go to bed? Yeah. Plus, you have a huge crowd of people standing there watching <laughs> yeah, you. Like, no it's not just... <laughs> Look at those loser fishermen. Yeah. <laughs> it, would, it would be like rubbing salt in the wood. Yeah. Not only did I not catch a fish, but now you're going to make me... Demonstrate this in front of everybody. <laughs> exactly, right. And so basically he just says, fine. Mm-hmm. Fine, I'll do it. Yeah. I don't believe this is going to work, but I'll do well, it. Well, you know, there's... I'm pulling from another gospel, but if we assume that John is is telling us kind of the first event in Jesus' relationship with Peter, it actually starts with Andrew, his brother, who's a disciple of John the Baptist. John the Baptist points Jesus out. Andrew follows John and then tells Peter, hey... We got the guy. This is the Messiah. And so Peter has, he has reason to listen to Jesus, even if maybe at that, that point he's not, well, he's not as much a believer at the beginning of the story as he yeah. is, as he's going to be by the end. So, I do appreciate mm-hmm. Simon's reluctance, though. It, at least that, yeah. just that one line, because that's a very human, yeah. like, I mean, we do that all the time. Really, God? Really? Mm-hmm. This is what you want? Or the, Yeah. <laughs> fine, I'll try. Yeah. So I'm glad for that example. As somebody who has been on the Sea of Galilee, 
or I've seen it. Yeah, you, were on you on it? it? Yeah. How quickly does it take to go from shore to deep water? No, oh, I don't. Not it's not it's not a very big lake. Yeah. So it's it's not going to take super long, I don't think. Because um, he he's able to, he says, put out into deep water, and then let down the nets. So I guess. Yeah. They, I, don't, I don't know how deep the water was that I was on. We were okay. taking soundings, but, uh, but Just, it's, it's it's only a few miles across, and so a, as far as it goes, it's, it can't be too far. It's just a pointless little question I had. Yeah, yeah, just <laughs> testing to see if I was actually there. Yeah, right. Now there's still I, no proof. I believe you. And then we have that word master. Jesus is referred to by Simon as master, which I don't. I think that kind of falls short of Simon acknowledging who he is. I mean, he's yeah. not there yet because the the great catch hasn't happened yet. And I'm not sure that Simon's even there yet after the great catch in terms of getting in his mind everything that Jesus is. Right. But the word master there, as I understand it, is like um, teacher. Term of respect. Tutor yeah. or something yeah. like the, that. And, yeah. The, something that I did a little reading that pointed out, this is, uh, they were speaking Aramaic. So we're reading Greek while well, we're reading English translated from Greek. So so Luke is already translating yeah. an Aramaic term. So we don't really know what was behind the master there. That might have been the same like rabbi yeah. that in other places gets translated as teacher or so or not not sure, but in any case it's 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 different than what he's going to say in verse 8 when he says, oh, Lord. Yeah. There's an escalation in his opinion of Jesus after these events. Right. So he goes... So, yeah, well, go ahead. Let's talk about that verse because there's a lot there. Yes, there is. Yeah. So Simon Peter sees this catch of fish, falls down at Jesus' knees and says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And so you have this fear that emerges in him because he's just encountered the power of God yeah. in a very profound way for a fisherman. Um, and he questioned it mm. initially. Yeah. Publicly. Yeah. That's also true. Sound carries over the water. That's why they were out there. Everybody probably heard that too. <laughs> what I find missing in Jesus's response to that is he doesn't disagree with Peter. Mm. It's not like Peter says, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. It's not like Jesus is saying, oh, no, 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 no. You're fine. Yeah. yeah. Actually, you do pretty Come well. Come on. Give your, don't, yeah. don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah. He doesn't say any of that. Right. He just says, don't be afraid. Yeah. <laughs> I know you are a sinful man, but I've got plans for you. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure there's many reasons why the Holy Spirit led Luke to put these stories in this order. But one, one thing that it does is we see different responses to Jesus. So we start, if we go back to Nazareth, we see Jesus teaching there and they're like, oh, that's Joseph's boy. We really like him. He's great. And then pretty soon they're throwing them off a cliff because Jesus wants to actually confront them with the, the fact that they need repentance and faith. And then we see in Caesarea, we see this, he becomes the, the king of popularity and they would make him king if they could, right? And everybody comes to him for healings and there's a much more positive response there. So we're seeing kind of progress. Uh, but but there too, he has to correct them and say, nope, I've, I've got a mission. I can need to go to proclaim the good news elsewhere. And now we get to this third reaction, and here you see Peter, and his reaction is fear, and it's, I don't deserve to be with you. It's not it's not the rejection of Nazareth where they're above him. It's not Caesarea where they kind of see him as like one of them. It's this sense of, I belong on my knees at your feet. And th there's progress here. There's spiritual yeah. progress as we see those three things play yeah. out. 
I see Peter's response here. I mean, I don't think Jesus would have wanted him to say, go away from me. Mm. But the rest of it is the posture that Jesus is looking for in all of us. He wants us to come to him as broken people in humility, recognizing Mm -hmm. I am, I bring nothing to this relationship. Right. And that is something that we should look to Simon as an example of what we are to do. The fact is that the only reason he said, go away from me, Lord, is because he has yet to experience the grace and forgiveness that Jesus is there waiting to give him. Once that's given, that attitude changes from go away from me to don't ever leave me. Yeah. Yeah. uh, You mentioned John 6 alluded to it in this podcast, maybe this September last time. And, and, uh, that's where Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? Yes. You have the words of eternal life. Right. There's nowhere else to go. Right. And then he, where he says, when Jesus talks about going away, this will never happen to you. Right. Mm-hmm. This, you know, <clears throat> so it's the polar opposite of go away from me, Lord. Mm-hmm. It's don't ever leave me. Mm-hmm. And he may have had in his mind too, just, I mean, knowing that he, he knew the scriptures and from from the Old Testament, we know um, Moses and the glory of the Lord, and mm-hmm. you cannot look at my face. I'm going to have right. to hide you. You, you know, you can't be in my presence. He, he realized he was in the presence of something holy, and he was not worthy. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting when I think about because we commented in the last podcast about the Holy One of God yeah. title given by the demons, which if you take that seriously, if he's the Holy One, then that that implies I need to keep some distance because. I'm not consecrated and clean yeah. and and holy. <clears throat> and uh, Peter reacts like he's in the presence of holiness, and there's there's fear there. Uh, and Jesus, of course, is the one who makes holy. We highlighted that in the last podcast, too, that that Jesus makes things clean when he touches them. He makes us holy. That's that's what his purpose is going to be, so that, so that we don't have to be in fear of, of being with him. Uh, but for a starting point... This is the right starting point. I have nothing to give. I have nothing to offer you, Jesus, and um, I'm I'm unworthy. And you know, later on, when Jesus is uh, being accused by the Pharisees of eating and interacting with tax collectors and sinners, you know, he says to them, "I haven't come for the healthy, but for the sick." And so Simon is is basically right in that spot where Jesus wants him and needs him. You recognize that you're sick. You recognize you need a physician. You're right where I want you. Mm-hmm. Um, I was our Saturday morning men's Bible study over Christmas or through December read uh, or did a Bible study on the uh, Tim Keller book, Hidden Christmas. And in that book, Keller makes the point that the incarnation of the Christ child, this in this child laying in the manger is, in fact, Emmanuel, God with us. So he says that's the highest uh, hurdle to cross in embracing Christianity is to acknowledge and embrace the incarnation. Because once you recognize that Jesus, that child is God, then every other thing that Jesus does in his ministry makes total sense. (laughs) He can heal the sick. He can cast out demons. He can walk on water, he can still the waves, and he can rise from the dead. If you can just get 
embrace and believe that he is God incarnate laying in the manger, that's it. Everything else makes total sense. Mm -hmm. So coming on the heels now of, of Christmas in the, in the rearview mirror, um, just ponder that, that Christ child that we worshipped on Christmas. This is now the adult Christ who is get, continuing to get pushback from the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, but is being embraced as God incarnate by these fishermen. Yeah, and uh, to take a next step past that, so you've got all the miracles that all make sense. Of course, God can do that. The one thing that doesn't make sense that Jesus does is die. Yeah. That's the one thing that like, God would never do that, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But that's the depth of the love that God has for us. And so as the the thinking about, okay, heart of a shepherd and the calling to to be um, a shepherd in my own home and, and to have that concern for the spiritual well-being of the people around me, well, to, to be able to really embrace that, it starts with believing that you have that good shepherd, that there is somebody who's concerned with your spiritual well-being, and there is the Son of God who died for you and who loves you and and who would not let anything come between you and a right relationship with your Father in heaven. And so Peter here he begins with this reaction of fear, and Jesus in the end is going to go all the way to the cross to turn that fear into love and joy. And so I guess if I'm if I'm hoping that, that as you hear this, you're, you're going to be um, empowered is not quite the word I'm looking for, but but to hunger for that role or, or embrace that role of, of spiritual concern for others, uh, it starts with just deeply believe the love that Jesus has for you, the love that God has given you in Jesus. Know that that's for you. Know that you have life and salvation and forgiveness of your sins, a right relationship with your Father in heaven, and uh, and let that energize you for the calling that God has for you. Yeah. Uh, another verse that comes to mind, because I'm looking at these four fishermen, these I'm assuming that it's the four of them, right? Peter and Andrew, James and John. Mm -hmm. And they're they're still so early on in their experiences with Jesus. And you can't help but fast forward ahead to where they're going to be at Pentecost and throughout the rest of the book of Acts where they're, they're spoken of as men who have turned the world upside down mm -hmm. with their teaching, right? Mm-hmm. They don't look anything like that at this point. But it just it's an amazing act of the Holy Spirit, how he can turn people into mm -hmm. people he can use and will use. Mm -hmm. And there's another life lesson for us mm -hmm. that you know, God has got great things in store for us mm -hmm. to be used for his purposes. Uh, yeah, I, I was my personal devotions have been the book of Acts. And so some of this is fresh. And I was marveling not that long ago about when God wants to send the gospel to the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. What a radical thing to do. It would take somebody really brash and really bold to go out on the strength of one vision and then go into a Gentile house and say, let's get these people baptized and <laughs> pre, you know, preach the gospel to and them. And hang out with them. And Yeah, and, and who better than Peter? Like God, for all the times we kind of laugh about Peter's putting his foot in his mouth, then comes that key moment and he's been perfectly prepared and given that particular brash characteristic. Mm -hmm. To be able to be the right guy for that, so and, and the preparation doesn't look quite like your average seminary class, but it's certainly what he what was needed. Right. It's God's accomplishing His purpose. Well, and I think that the the change that you're talking about, Rick, is that came largely through experience, sure. living the experience with Him, and that's mm. what we today 
we have his word to read through and be our experience and to act on what we're learning in his word to experience how he walks with us and experience how he provides and leads us. And the more we do that, we grow into something changed as well that yep. can do great things that we couldn't sure. when we first started. And, and you're, you're absolutely right about the experience aspect of it. But even as we look at that, those experiences, it's sometimes two steps forward, one step back. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes Simon gets it wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, we can we can relate to that too mm-hmm. in our walk that oh i why did i do that why did i say that i should have done it this way and so it's it's a learning experience for us too but it's it's also you know it's that first and foremost it's the spirit that's has taken residence in our heart and yeah. is the one driving us i was thinking about the verse i think paul quotes it from isaiah 64 um i has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of men the things that God has planned for those who love him. We don't have any idea of what's coming, but God mm. does. He, yeah. he already has it all planned out for us. Right. And and so again, to apply that in the heart of a shepherd kind of a way, yeah. so to wherever God is calling you to take, a, to take a step of faith in concern for the spiritual well-being of somebody close to you, he's also prepared and equipped you. Yeah. And and he is preparing it. He is equipping you, and that like Angela, you're getting at that taking that, uh, li- be, being immersed in the Word of God, and in Christian community helps prepare you for that. It's shaping you so that the unique person God made you to be, then empowered by His Spirit, just just the right moment, right time, right person. God's working on all of that. You're not on your own by any means. Yeah, I learned something new in this. Uh... And doing a little bit of background reading on this text, Jesus really did not originate the fishers of men thing at this moment. It's actually in Jeremiah 16. It says, Behold, I am sending for many fishers, declares the Lord, and they shall catch them. And afterward I will send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain and every hill and out of the clefts of the rocks. Mm-hmm. And I, you know... Living in the Northwoods now that I do, uh, there's when uh, deer hunting season was going on, boy, there were a lot of hunters yeah. up there. And I think Jesus, he used this, to these fishermen, he used fishing as the metaphor because that's what they knew and loved. But what if he was in a rural setting like Freistadt? I think he would have said, I'm going to go out and make you farmers for me. You're going to raise crops of men. Mm-hmm. He would have used whatever metaphor what worked in that moment. So just apply it to your trade and make the adjustment <laughs> wow that's great i never i did not know that either that's great yeah i mean jesus wrote it obviously uh in jeremiah sixteen sixteen. those are his words to <laughs> jeremiah and he's just repurposing them again in the gospels hmm. so. yeah and then i just you know we're we're kind of getting close to the end got a couple minutes yet but Look at verse 11, and I think we could probably do a whole podcast on that single verse mm. and everything that it means. They left everything and followed him. Mm-hmm. I mean, what does that mean and what doesn't it mean? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, they left the fish. Yeah, the, the two bowls full of... <laughs> I hope somebody gathered them up. Yeah, I'm sure they didn't go to waste. <laughs> a society like that, somebody's going to eat. Yeah. 
But I don't, for us today, when, when we say we need to drop everything or we need mm-hmm. to leave everything, it's not that Jesus is calling us to quit our jobs or to all enroll in the seminary. Mm-hmm. There's, there's an aspect of staying where you are, but leaving everything at the same time. Yeah. It's really about leaving your attachment yeah. so that you can offer, offer everything to God yeah. and be willing to serve him in whatever way he calls you to. And that in that moment there, they, their attention was turned from what they thought was the most important thing, which was the fish, to following Jesus. And, mm. and they followed. Because like you said, this, this, wasn't, this wasn't the actual like, calling of the disciples. This was a, another step in the process of getting them interested or, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. And, and, um, so it, it was a, a perception shift kind of from, you think you need food. That's not what you really need. You really need me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, I wonder, follow that. I wonder, I wonder what kind of money they would have made from that catch of fish if they'd stuck around and sold it. And, and, and I mean, what that would have done to their lifestyle and, and yet they found something that's, Worth more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But that crowd was there. They probably ate all those fish. <laughs> Everybody could take a, a fish home. Big That'd be great. Beach party. Uh, <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Right. Well, is there anything else before we wrap this one up? Uh, I guess I'm still thinking about that. They left everything and yet they didn't, and yet that's not a call to automatically drop everything and go. Yeah. I mean, for, for these disciples, for these four, it seems as if they were going to be spending a lot less time on the water. Yeah. Um, fishing. Yeah. And, and for them, it's a ra- it's going to be a radical life change. They're called to be 12 of the apostles who will yes. turn the world upside down. Uh, but, I mean, most of us are called to a small circle of people that we have an influence in. And so maybe the leaving everything is as simple as I'm going to leave my phone off <laughs> and on the counter over there so I can pay attention to the people under my roof or I'm going to leave uh, my comfort zone and go hang out during the Packer game and have a conversation with somebody that I need to have a conversation with or, you know, j- just build a relationship in a, in a joining Jesus on his mission kind of way. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's about leaving the thing that you're, that, that God is calling you to leave in that moment. And, you know, I think too, is he's also calling us to, bring the kingdom of God into the places where we're, we're at. So if you are a hunter or a fisherman, mm-hmm. or you like to work under the hood of your car or ride your motorcycle, in all of those contexts, God's not saying, stop doing all those things. Yeah. He's saying, bring me with you into all of those things. Well, I mean, just to, yeah, I'm just thinking a couple of quick examples, too, of uh, people. We have a contract in our congregation who, uh, for the the... Christmas services, children's Christmas services, on very short notice, crafted a, a ramp so a wheelchair student could be on the stage for that Christmas program. And that's because he spent his life becoming a carpenter, yeah. and that's that's a way God gave him to serve the Lord. Or this podcast, we sit and, and record this, and and every week we drive away so grateful for a member of our church who spent his life in, in digital, in, in media, and is using that to serve the Lord so that this can go out and be heard. And, uh, you know, God is calling you to, to do what God is calling you to do. <laughs> we won't say who that is, but his name rhymes with bike think line. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. he, might, he might edit that out. We'll see. <laughs> Don't edit that out. 
And this is okay. Go ahead, oh, Angela. Good. We're going to give we you the last that. word. <laughs> no, I was just going to say we we talk about fishing and hunting and all this man stuff, but. Um, <laughs> oh, that's I, right. There's a woman in the room. It's reminding me that I'm I'm part of a, a group of five other women that we get together once a week and we sew, and we've been doing that for. I've been part of that group for. Uh, I don't know, maybe six or seven years. And when I think back to the beginning when I was just meeting these women to now, even just today, one of them sent a text and said, I'm, I'm having this issue. I need you all to pray for me. Mm-hmm. And we have lots of spiritual discussions while we sew. Mm-hmm. And uh, just in, you know, as situations in life come up and you share those situations and it's just really it's fun to see that progression just in that group of people where the only thing we have in common is that we sew. <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of people can already start to connect their passions and interests to ways in which they can make yeah. that a reality for them. Great. Thank you so much, everybody, for uh, patiently bearing with us through this one. It was fun. And we look forward to seeing you back again here Uh, Next time in the podcast room, on behalf of Pastor Carl and Angela, may the spirit of Jesus be with you today and always. See you next time.